Uh, so John chapter number 19, verse number 38. And I'm old. I said, what should be the very first? Uh, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, I'm going to look back and say, at our very first service at the Rock Court, what did you preach? What, what, what should be the first message that's preached at the, the, uh, the initial Easter service for the Rock? And we're here in John chapter 19. If you got to say, I'm there. All right. Verse number 38 through verse number 42, it says this. It says, afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus's body. So this was just as Jesus was crucified. He was dead. He gave up the ghost. And here he was lifeless on the cross. And the Bible says this. When Pilate gave permission. Joseph came and took the body away with Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought 75 pounds of perfume ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus's body with the spices and long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. And if you are taking notes today for our very first Easter message, we're going to look back on this and, and remember this. I want you to write, can you keep a secret? Can you keep a secret? And when I begin to think about this, and one of the things in my house, one of the things me and my wife do with our children is that we tell them we don't keep secrets. That's what we teach the kids. And one of the reasons that we do that is because we want to make sure uh, we want to protect them from anyone that would try and, you know, hey, come over here. Let me tell you this. Don't tell your mama. We tell our kids we talk about everything. And if somebody tell you, let me keep a secret. Tell me who it was so we can I, I smile. Tell me who it was so I can talk to them and tell them, are you trying to keep secrets with my daughter and my son? So we have this rule in our house. And we're, as you're going to say, we're trying to teach them. We don't want anyone to take advantage of them. I'm sure they will understand this one day. But right now I'm like, tell, we're telling everything in this house. And most of the time when someone comes to you, this is an age old thing. If you ever went to grade school, when someone comes to you and say, can you keep a secret? That usually is about to be followed by something they probably shouldn't tell you or maybe they should tell you. I don't know. But most, you know, nine year olds have had an opportunity or, or, or a moment where someone comes to you and say, can you keep a secret? Because that means that they're about to announce something. They're about to tell you something that is like, look, this is, this is between me and you. This is, I don't want to tell nobody. Don't tell nobody this now, but this is between me and you. And most of the time, they're about to tell you something so juicy, so scandalous, so, so, so. <laughs> While you're in the sandbox, they're about to tell you, you know, little Jimmy was at you over there with Katie. I saw them over there kissing in the game. It's usually about to be something so full of, full of, full of vigor that you're like, oh, I got, you got to tell me this. You know, they, they don't want you to tell anybody that they, that, you know, they, I'm dating this new girl, but I don't know. Or, or, we, you know, or even if it's something adults, you know, I just got the keys to this new, you know, this new car, this new house. Don't, you know, don't tell nobody. Yeah, and I said, you know, or a lot of times, especially with adults, we'll say, you know, don't tell nobody I'm pregnant. You know, I'm about to have a baby, but I'll be not announced. You know, we have these moments where people come to us and say, can you keep a secret? Are you able to keep this within yourself? And then what happens? What normally happens is you don't keep no secret. <laughs> you go right over you and your mind, you rationalize. You say, No, I'm gonna keep it. And then they tell you, and guess what you do? You pick up your phone and you call. I'm just gonna tell this one person. I'm just gonna tell my wife. I'm just, ain't gonna, tell my I'm, just, I'm just gonna tell my husband. I ain't gonna tell. I'm gonna text my friend. You look, he told me I didn't tell nobody. And before you know it, the whole neighborhood knows. 
The whole church know. The whole family know. And they try to figure out, well, how did, how did y'all find out about, oh, we already knew that. Fact. Yeah, I took a gotcha. You know, and if everybody takes that, I'm going to just go tell one person. That ends up with 47 people that know the secret. So we've all had these moments where something is so good that you're like, I cannot keep this to myself. This is so good. And so I ask you this question, can you keep a secret? And in our text today in John 19, we find this man, Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph was uh, one of the Jewish leaders of that city and of that time. And so he would have been one of the high ups. He would have been on the religious council. He would have been a prominent figure in that community. And this was not Joseph that was Jesus's father. This was a different gentleman. And the Bible says he would have been a man of status in the community. And at some point, he comes to faith in Christ. He genuinely believes the Bible says in verse number 38 that he was a disciple. But the Bible says he was a secret disciple. And so I want to highlight first that I'm not trying to, uh, you know, uh, run the man in the mud. The Bible says he was a disciple. So he was a follower of Christ. He was saved. He was, I'm sure he had heard Jesus preach. I'm sure he had seen some of the things, you know, in the back of the crowd. He was probably with his hood on at some of the preaching events that Jesus was having. So he was following Christ. But the Bible says he was following him in secret. And I said, now, wait a minute. I thought God was always is always calling us out of the background out of the darkness out of this obscurity and here we have joseph who is following but following in secret and when i begin to think about him and i begin to think about us i begin to have this thought that this is the first thing i want you to write down is that joseph was devoted to jesus but his devotion had limits he was devoted but his devotion had limits it says he was following in secret up until now he would only go so far in his faith. Up until now, he would only go so far to be seen associated with Jesus. Up until now, he would only go so far to be around the miracles or around the healings or, or around the resurrections. His devotion to God had limits. And you may be saying, okay, well, that's, you know, you know I understand. You know, what does that look like for us now when you have a devotion to God, but it has limits? I'm going to give you a few examples. One example is this. I love Jesus. But I can't go to church. It's too many hypocrites. There. I, I love Jesus. I can just stay home and read my Bible by myself. You devoted, but your devotion has limits. I, 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 I love Jesus, but there's no way I can give no money to that church. The pastor's stealing it anyway. You love Jesus. I ain't saying you don't love him, but your devotion has limits. I, let me get, I, I, I love God, but, but you know, I think there are other ways to get to Father. Jesus ain't the only way. You may very well love him. But your devotion has limits. I will read my Bible. I will do all that. I'm going to pray at home and all of that. But I don't want to tell anybody else that I'm a Christian. I don't want anybody else to know. I don't want to, I don't want to tell, I don't want to invite anybody else. I don't want to tell anybody else at the grocery store. I don't want to pray for it. That's a devotion. But your devotion has limits on it. There's only a certain, a certain amount. It's only, only so far. And this is for the preachers in the house. You know, I, I remember being in this place where it was like, God, I'll preach. I'll take preaching engagement. I'll go preach over there. But don't ask me to be nobody's pastor because now I got to be responsible. Now I got to watch over people. Now I got to pray for them. I'll go so far, but I won't go this far. And whenever we find ourselves in these positions, whenever we find ourselves saying, God, I will, but. That means that now there's been some limits on your devotion. I'm not saying you're not saying I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm not saying you're not reading your Bible. I'm saying that you have a devotion with limits. There's a there's so whenever you find yourself, I will, but 
I'll follow Jesus, but I won't forgive them. I'm going to hold, hold that to the day I die. Just know that you've now placed a limit on your devotion to God. And this is what this man, Joseph, finds himself saying. I am a disciple, but I, I, I got to stay in, in, in secret. With, with all this. And Many of us are trying to follow Jesus today with our limits. When God and Christ are trying to call us into an unlimited devotion to him. He says in the Bible, in the scriptures, he says, and, and, and I understand the language of this, but he says that you have to, uh, in essence, hate father, mother, sister, brother, everybody else, and follow me. He says, deny yourself. He says, I'm calling you into an unlimited devotion to me, an unlimited commitment, not to church, not an unlimited commitment to pastor, not an unlimited commitment to your spouse, but an unlimited commitment to Christ. So we have, we have Joseph following Jesus in secret. His devotion has limits. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6 and 5, it says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your strength, loving our God without limits. So my question to you is, does your devotion have limits? Does your devotion, have you drawn a line to say, God, I'll go here, but I won't go any further. And this is the next thing here. The Bible tells us the source of this man Joseph's limitation, the source of his apprehension. And this is the next thing is that it says in verse 38 that he followed in secret because he feared the Jewish leaders. The source of his limitation was the fear of man. He didn't stay in secret because he so much feared the Lord. He didn't stay in secret because he was, you know, God told him, wait and just wait for a while. Don't say nothing right now. But he followed because he feared what people would do to him. He feared how people would perceive him. Remember, I said that this man was a religious leader of the time. He would have been a prominent man. He would have been a man of status. So he feared how his livelihood could be affected by making a pronounced commitment to Christ. What if I lose that? What if I lose this? What if I lose these friends? What if, I, what if my family does not understand the fear of man? And whenever we fear what men can do, we will be slow to obey God. Whenever we fear what men can do to us, we will be slow to obey God because we will begin to rationalize what if this happened? What if they do this? What if they say this? What if this doesn't go this way? The word says this. It says that in Proverbs 9 and 10, you know this scripture, I'm sure. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I begin to think and I said, if the fear of the Lord and not so much fear as being afraid, but more reverence, honor. Of God, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then what does the fear of man begin? If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then the fear of man is the beginning of what? What does that begin to begin? What does that begin to start in my life? The Bible gives us a clue there later on in Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29, verse 25, it says, The fear of man brings a snare or a trap. My God. But whoever trusts in and put his confidence in the Lord will be exalted and be saved. It says that there is a trap ready to begin for those who decide that the fear of man is the better way. That trap could be a relational trap. That trap could be a financial trap. That trap could be a career trap. That trap could be a mental and emotional trap. But he says, whenever I begin to exalt the fear of man above the fear of the Lord, he says, there is a showing up trap waiting for each and every one of us. And so we have some options here. If, if Joseph decided he would, for up until this time, walk in the fear of man more than the fear of the Lord, then we have some options. And that is to continue to walk in the fear of what people can do. 
to continue to walk in the fear of what may or may not happen, or even in our day and age, especially the last two years, the fear of being canceled, the fear of people thinking, oh, you believe that? The fear of thinking, oh, you believe marriage is still with a man and a woman? Oh my God, you we're going to get you out of here. You believe that you should wait until you get married to have sex? You still believe that stuff? You still believe that you should tie 10% of your income? You still, you still give your All of these things, right? We have the option to walk in this fear of what people may do or think. Or we have the, we have the option to walk boldly in our faith, as we will see that Joseph finds himself there. But before that, we have to begin to recognize, and I want, I want to ask you this, and I want you to begin to identify in your life, where are the limits? Where are the places where I said, I'll go here, and we all have it. We all, we all, from the front to the back, have a place where we say, Lord, I will do all, but ugh. there's a place where I'm like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be called to that. I don't want to give up. We all have places there. But then we have to recognize what are the root, what is the root of this? And the Bible gives us some insight into Joseph's life that it was rooted in fear. And in this case, fear of his contemporaries. But let's keep moving here. And so up until now, he walked in secret. He walked in fear. He was a disciple. He was, he, listen, like I said, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say you're not saved. I believe you say, I believe you in, you in the fold, but it says that he was in secret. And so this is what begins to happen. And, and as I said earlier, this was right as Jesus was crucified. This was right as Jesus was there on the cross, lifeless, had given up the ghost. And, and right at this moment, we understand that in the context of this, that the cross provides a turning point for Joseph. And this brings it back to, because this is Easter Sunday. So we got to, you know, come on out. The cross provides this turning point for Joseph. The sacrifice of Jesus, seeing his Savior crucified, this sprung this Joseph into action. This, this sprung this man out of secret and into the light. And this is what we find in this context, in this day, as we're celebrating the resurrection, as the cross being a turning point to bring us out of secret and into the light. Out of obscurity and into light. Out of fear and into boldness for Christ. The Bible says in verse 38, we're still there. It says that, it says that this Joseph of Aramaic, Arimathea, after Jesus was crucified, he went and asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus's body. And Pilate gave this man permission and Joseph came and took the body away. So as he was doing this, as he first has to come out and go to Pilate, who was the Roman leader who actually did not want to crucify Jesus and thought Jesus was innocent and wanted to release him. But he was forced his hand because the people wanted Jesus crucified. He goes to this Roman leader, Pilate, coming out of secret and saying, you might not have known I was one of Jesus' disciples, but here I am. I need his body so we can take care of it, right? He goes to him, and then he has to go now and take the body off the cross. Remember, Jesus was crucified in a very public way. He wasn't crucified in the backwoods of some, some old shed, but the Bible says he was lifted up. There were people all around. He would have had to go out in front of, come on now. He would have imagined him walking up in front of the people there. Oh, maybe he's dead. They're walking away. They may be there. And he's walking up saying, I got the body. I, I have the I have the responsibility of laying my hands to the lifeless physical body of my Savior as he was lifted up. Imagine him walking up that hill. Imagine him going up where people are like, oh, my God, are you which what are you, what are you about to do? Are you about to take his what? Oh, you want to hit this? Imagine him having to walk through that. Coming out of the secret, coming out of obscurity to say I'm with Jesus and I'm taking responsibility for this. The sight of his Savior being there drove this man from secret to the forefront. Imagine him being there coming up with a boldness, with a fire in his heart saying, I will not allow my Savior to hang here dry. 
I will not allow people to, to scandalize his name without saying, no, I'm, I'm with him too. Imagine that. Imagine him walking through that and walking into boldness. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross transformed this man's life from secret to public. And this is what, this is what Jesus does. This is, the, this is what he does. This is why we're here. This is why each and every person here is because that's what Jesus does. His sacrifice on his cross, he brings dead people back to life. From dead to lifeless. From sinner to saint. From broken heart to healed, from confused to clarity. This is what the cross does for each and every one of us. It transforms us from a lost state into a found state. From a place of not having any answers to a place of oh, my answer is Jesus. That's old school right there. My answer is Jesus. I ain't got no other answers. He said, allow the cross, as it has done for this man's life, Joseph of Arimathea, to transform you from the state of fear and secret to a place of boldness in Christ. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. See, now that means that there should be some new boldness here. That means that there should be a new way of living here. That means that there should be a new way of thinking, a newness that showed up just like in Joseph's life should show up in our lives when we get a revelation of Christ on the cross. And maybe up until this point, Joseph followed, but maybe he followed as we see with his limits. Maybe up until this point, he's followed, but he followed in fear, not knowing what was being asked of him. But he moved into a place where now I'm following without limits. I'm following without cover. I'm following without saying, I don't know, but I'm all in with God. And you may be asking, but why is this important, Corey? Why can't I just stay at home and read my Bible? Now, I'm not preaching to the choir, obviously, because you all are here looking at me. But you may be asking, why is this important? Why I got to tell my coworkers about Jesus? Why I got to tell my family about Jesus? Why, I gotta, why can't I just keep it to myself? He saved me. That's good. They need to get their own. You may be asking, what does that mean for me? I'm good in secret. Some of of y'all like, I'm good with my limits. I'm good. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to go to heaven. That's it. You may be saying that. Why do I need this? Why is this important? And it's important as we see in verse number 39, where the word says this. It says, with him, with Joseph, came Nicodemus, another man who had come to Jesus at night, a disciple in secret. And the Bible says, when Joseph took his step out, it said that Nicodemus, I know you in here in the dark too. I know you were coming to Jesus at night too. I, I know that you were concerned with your limits too. But he says, I'm coming out. You're coming out too. And this is what I want you to know. The last thing is that a disciple in secret is a disciple in selfishness. But when you begin to come out of that, he says, come out and bring somebody else out. This is why this is important because it's not just about it's not just about you being saved. It's not just about you going to heaven and having the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He says, I never called anybody just for themselves. Jesus never calls anybody, not even the disciples, because when he died and went to heaven, he said, now you go and make disciples. He says, I've never called you just for you. I never called you just so you could be saved and you live good and praise God for your house. He says, I'm always calling you so that you can get yourself out, bring somebody else out with you. He says, it's not just for me. And Joseph found himself as he's coming out. The Bible says, and Nicodemus, you may know, he was another religious leader in the same in the same industry, in the same career. Right. 
This gives us a point too. There are some people, they gonna come out when you come out because they know they were in it with you. Nicodemus and Joseph were both religious leaders. They were both high uh, ranking officials in the Jewish community there. But see, there are some people, they're waiting on you. There are some people, they know you because of, because of the medical industry. They're waiting to see how you come out. Some people know you from the education world. They're, they're looking at you. You, have a, you can reach them in a way that I can never reach them. There are some of you that are athletes. There are some of you that are military. There are some of you that are beauticians. You have a hand on someone that, that we can never reach, but you know how to speak the language. Nick Joseph was able to go to a Nicodemus and say, look, I know we both from the same neighborhood. I, I know we both from, we, we done done the same stuff. We've both been in secret. We've both been here. But, but Nicodemus like, if you're going out, I'm going out too. And I believe there are some people, there are some people, and you may not like this, but they waiting on you. They waiting on you to come out. They're waiting on you to get over your fears. They're waiting on you to get over your, your insecurities. And you may say, that's not fair. They shouldn't wait on me. It's not fair. Life is not fair. But it is the truth that some people, when they, come on, Lord Jesus, what, uh, okay. Some people, when they see you free, after knowing all the stuff that you went through, I feel something here. After knowing all the stuff that you've been through, after seeing you struggle, after seeing you addicted, after seeing you broken, after seeing you depressed, when they see you free, they like, oh, there's got to be, there is hope for me. When they see what you have gone through, when they see how you have overcome, they're like, oh, I got to come out now because I saw how Joe did it. I saw how Mary did it. Me and Mary were smoking the same crack, but she got free. I got to get free now. Some people are only coming out because you have came out. They're waiting on you. So just like this man, Joseph, he comes out of secret. He comes out of the closet. He comes out of the darkness in boldness. For Christ, he says, I'm not just coming out by myself, but he said, Nicodemus, you come too. We both coming out of this thing. I'm not going to allow, come on, I'm not going to allow my friend to stay in this too. I'm not going to allow my coworkers to stay in this too. I'm not going to allow my cousin to stay in this too. I'm not going to allow my family to stay in this too. I'm not the only one that's coming out, but I'm bringing somebody else with me. I'm not just going to get it for myself, but I'm going to get it for my family. I'm not just going to get it for myself, but I'm going to get it for my brother. I'm not just going to get it for myself, but I'm going to get it for my friends. I'm bringing somebody else out too. We can no longer stay in that place of selfish devotion to God. But he says, when you get out, you got to bring somebody else. You got to bring somebody else out. When you start to share your faith, they'll start to share theirs. When you start to take that first step, they'll take their first step. Because there are others that are attached to you coming out of secret, to me coming out of secret. So the question is that we asked earlier, can you keep a secret? Can you keep a secret? And I would just give you the answer to the test and say no. Because this is the thing, the secret discipleship that Joseph kept, once he saw the crucified Savior, and in the very next chapter, once he sees the risen Savior, once he gets a revelation truly of who Christ is, he says, I can no longer keep this secret. I can no longer stay in the background. I can no longer stay hidden because you can't keep a secret that good. You can't keep a secret that good. You can't keep a secret that God has saved you and transformed you. You can't, you can't, it's too good to keep. So just like we joked earlier, the seven-year-old, the eight-year-old, the whatever, your sister that tells you something, it's like, oh my God, this is so good. I gotta tell somebody else. So can you keep a secret when God has blessed you so well? Can you keep this secret when God has delivered you and set you free? Can you keep this secret when God has brought you out of hell and high water? Absolutely not. 
because you will see that it was not of your own strength, that it was not of your own works, that it was not of your own goodness. It was not because I'm so good, but it's because God is so good and his mercy is so rich to us. So as we celebrate this today, this resurrection, I'm calling everybody in secret, get out, come out, walk out, crawl out when you get a revelation of who Jesus is, because it's no way to keep that thing a secret. Amen. Amen. Come on. Can we clap our hands there? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray you receive the word today.